Welcome to this Radio Stockton podcast. I'm suffering with a little bit of hay fever this morning, so do bear with me if my voice breaks up. If you're anything like me, you'll love local businesses. Whether at home or away, I tend to search out local because I know the owner has a lot riding on his or her business. It's massively important to them to give you guaranteed great quality service and products because they too live in the area. And as we know, reputation is king, or queen. If I'm on holiday, abroad or UK, I like nothing more than mooching around little local shops, rather than going to a chain store that stocks stuff that you can buy anywhere. So, with that all said, this podcast will look at what it means to be local, and why it's important to people to belong to a certain place. Although I don't like to talk about it, of course, apart from when I was a spy for MI5 for a few years in the Middle East, Germany, Iran and Ipswich, I've lived around Warrington most of my life. So you'd be right in thinking I prefer to shop, eat and drink in local businesses. This got me thinking though, what does local mean? We often hear people referring to a pub that they live near as their local. But even that definition doesn't sustain if local means nearest pub. For example, a mate of mine says his local is Stockton Heath's Red Lion. Understandable, of course. Tony and Kerris do a fabulous job there, making it one of the most welcoming and relaxing pubs in South Warrington. But the truth is my mate lives nearer to other pubs, yet he refers to the Red Lion as his local. So this got me pondering. Do you think this is because he associates local with great service? I think it must be a lot to do with that. Something else that also interests me about the concept of belonging or favouring something is the way musicians absorb and become part of styles of music. You'll probably know that the Rolling Stones started life as a rhythm and blues band because they loved that style of music. They felt it spoke to them despite living in East London, thousands of miles away from where R&B started in the USA. So with these thoughts going through my mind, I went over to another mate's local pub recently, The Stag at Walton, to listen to a Roots musician, Chris Fox. The ragtime or Roots style of music has clearly had a huge impact on Chris, and he is becoming successful in this field. Just before the start of his gig, I spoke to him about Roots music and what it means to him. After you telling me that story about the singer-songwriter, yeah. that kind of style reminded me that there was supported a guy at the Ruby Lounge. Manchester. Yeah, called Willie Watson, and he's, well, one, amazing. And two, he's in a band called Old Crow Medicine Show. Or he was in, he was kind of I one know, of the founders. I know that name. There's No, more recent than that. He was, he's not that old, but basically he's, that band are like Roots Music Royalty and all the other American acts have supported in the Roots thing. They're now supporting Old Crow Medicine Show. So he was quite a big deal to get on that gig for me anyway. The 
Devil Makes Three, one of the other bands I supported, and they're now supporting Old Crow Medicine Show. Their most famous song is called Wagon Wheel, and I don't know, and I should know, being a Roots musician, yeah. whether it's a cover or not, but um, I've heard a lot of folk guys play this song, and I makes me think it's probably like an old folk traditional. Man, every night. Despite the background rumble of traffic there, I reckon you will have been able to hear how much Chris identifies with the root sound. Ironically, Chris writes, records and performs under a few different identities. When performing his own quite successful stuff, he performs as Kindest of Thieves. You'll find his website if you Google Kindest of Thieves. So, if the definition of local doesn't mean nearest, as in our example, with pubs or with music, then what does it mean? I keep going back to my original definition of local to mean good, although it has occurred to me also that we often refer to a favourite pub as being our local, but not when we reference coffee shops. I wonder why that is. After all, it's not as if villages like Stockton Heath, Lim, Latchford, etc. don't have as many coffee shops these days as pubs, in Stockton Heath, for example, there are three exceptionally good coffee shops that I can think of straight away. Esquire's, Jenny Wren's and Pure Indulgence. All very different and offering slightly distinct additional services. Yet we don't refer to any of them as our local. My brother told me that he believes coffee shops aren't referred to as a local because they don't open at night. So, therefore, to be defined as local, does a business have to not only be good, but open at night too? To me, that doesn't work as a working definition, because we don't refer to restaurants as our local either. I'm getting confused now. I think I need a drink. I know what you're thinking. You reckon the connection must be alcohol. To be classed as local must mean alcohol is available to buy. Well, that doesn't work either, because all restaurants sell alcohol. And the success story of Stockton Heath, Corks Out, has a divine drinking area out the back. But I've yet to hear any of their multitude of happy customers refer to it as their local. The more I think about the term local and what I think it means, the more confused I get about it. The reason I say that is because, as you now know, I prefer local shops and businesses. Yet it occurred to me also that even if your local village has chain shops, they do employ local people. For example, Stockton Heath is to get a new Marks and & Spencer and will open in January 2016. It would be easy to say, well, they're a chain and won't help the local community. But I suppose they will actually, in terms of staff employed. And by the extra footfall, a big name will bring into the village. And as a consequence of that, surely that will help smaller local businesses too. So, as I said, the more I analyse this, the more complex the issue becomes. I'll leave it to you to decide what you think, seeing as I'm now thoroughly in two minds. I'll move on and talk about a small business, albeit it's based around education. 
The business I'm talking about is located in Grappenhall and is called Learning in the Woods. It's run by Mark Redford. I'll let him explain what he does. I went over to visit him and sat outdoors, away from my usual daytime haunt of a local coffee shop and nighttime haunt of a pub. Here's Mark Redford. So, Forest School. I know it's Scandinavia. Was it Denmark? We've always had children outside. Even from early on in the 20th century, Macmillan Nurseries have had the idea of having children educated outside. I think Margaret Macmillan said that the outside is the best cupboard and the richest classroom is roofed only by the sky. But more recently, some students from Bridgewater College in Devon went over to Denmark to have a look at the education system out there. And they came back with this idea of forest school which is, well, how can I describe it? It's not outdoor education. It's not environmental education. It's not playing outside. It's not doing your science curriculum outside. It's not bushcraft. It's all of those things kind of rolled into one. From what I could see, is it a way of getting kids to learn about themselves and discover themselves and try and not just individually get themselves more capable in their own life, but trying to bond with others. Is that, is that the idea? Yes, of that's it? part of it as well. It's a holistic approach. So yeah. we're looking at emotional intelligence as well as the child being more independent and resilient and, and yeah. that kind of thing as well. Yeah. So we're kind of looking at the whole child and using nature and natural objects to, to encourage. Do you go to the schools and take the classes out? Or do the classes, do the schools contact you? I don't know, how does it work? Well, I first started, when I just completed my training, I first started with local school St Wilfrid's, and they asked me to go and do some forest school with them. And they've the, got the Grappenall one? Yes, yeah. yes. And they've got a lovely little woodland on site, which is fenced off as well, just by the canal at the bottom of the field. So we take half a class, 15 children out into their woodland and, and we do the activities out there with them. Why so only on the half school a site? Because the, the ethos of forest school is to have a low adult to child ratio so that the children have got access to an adult if they need it. But also we're doing things like using bow saws and tools. Yeah. Um, we have campfires and cooking on the fire and that sort of thing. You don't so want you, too many. You, you don't want too many or you want time. plenty so of adults. I'm, so I'm assuming time. you'll take half a class one time, half a class another time. Yeah. You don't just say, right, you lot. No. <laughs> every reception age into year one child at St Wilfrid accesses forest school every two weeks. And then the word has spread to other schools around Warrington, so now we're quite full. I have recently employed other people to come and right, deliver yeah. forest school in other schools around, yeah. around the town. So how did you, you get into this? How did you hear about it? Well, a few years ago I was childminding and Sally and I were setting up kind of a, a local part of a national programme called NCMA Local, which was to kind of give childminders a chance to get together and communicate with each other because very much an isolated profession. So we were organising events and training courses for local childminders to come to and, and one day Sally booked Helena from Delamere Forest to come along and give a talk about forest school and what it's mm. all about. And she came along and gave this wonderful presentation and I, I was really interested. Um, having been a teacher for pupils with emotional and behavioural difficulties for several years, I could immediately see the benefits of this approach. So ever since that evening I've been hooked and I've yeah. gone and got myself trained in, in delivering forest school. Well, as an aside to all this, well, I was looking at it again in probably more detail this morning, I was thinking, hmm, I just thought I looked Although, having said that, what put me off was the amount of training. How long does it last? To be qualified as a forest school practitioner to deliver forest school, it's a level three training course. So it starts with you, you have to go for a week away to do 
learn lots of practical skills and also learn about the ethos and the psychology of forest school. That takes a week. You have to do a two-day first aid in the outdoors. You have to produce a portfolio of evidence and work, which usually takes someone around a year to put all the work together. And then you have to do another five days of practical assessment in the outdoors. What's the portfolio involved? It's, it takes a year to do it, but what's yeah, it? you have to devise a program of work for children to follow and deliver that to some children. You have to um, research psychology of forest school. You have to produce essays on various aspects of, of what forest school is all about. Really, you're going to be doing preschool as well, aren't you, in September? Yes, we've called it Nest in the Woods, and um, so starting in September, we are opening a outdoor preschool. So the idea is that the children come along, we meet together at Grappen Hall Scout Hut and we take them out into the countryside for the day. We set up a day camp with everything we need, shelter, water, toilets, and we will do lots of lovely activities outdoors. So the children will do all the normal learning that they would do in a nursery in the outdoors. How do you get the locations? We have an agreement with the Woodland Trust, so we can go and use the Woodland Trust sites. And um, Do you have to book that or do you just because it's an agreement you can just go? It's an agreement, I just need to let them know that you'll be there but I'll be there on, a, on a particular day. Time. It all seems to be, you're probably going to contradict this, but this to my ears, it sounds like it's all running very smoothly. <laughs> you all think, no. <laughs> the analogy of the swamp. <laughs> I like that idea. Not only does Mark make a difference in terms of educating children, but he seems to have got a great business model there. And I think, in a sense, it encapsulates what I now feel about local businesses. I say this because Learning in the Woods is run by a local person, but it incorporates a parent company ethos. Right, I'm going to finish up here now, now that I've sort of come to a more educated position about local businesses. I'll talk to you again soon, but before I go, can I ask you to spread the word about this humble little podcast? And if you want to advertise on subsequent podcasts, get in touch. I run Energy Studios, a small local business that focuses on web design, corporate photography, videography and audio recording. You'll find out more either by going to the website www.energy-studios.co.uk So remember, energy-studios or simply use the search term in Google Warrington Website Design or Warrington Recording Studio. You'll find us on page one. As an example of a recent studio recording, I'll finish off by playing part of a song by a great new local singer called Katie Galloway. Here's one of her songs. I'm sure you'll agree it's far from average.
Talk to you again 